You are listening to Press Church Podcasts. Please enjoy this week's message. The scripture that we're going to be focusing on today is Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 11, says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, verse 12, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Verse 13, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit of Christ offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And lastly, verse 15, and for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Not only is that a mouthful to read, your brain should be exploding from all of the words that we just read. And I love the Scriptures because you can take this Scripture, this, just this section of Scripture, because Hebrews is so rich in explaining the Old Covenant, the New Covenant, and what Jesus did when he died on that cross, what Jesus did when he showed up on the earth, when he rose from the dead, how he's greater than the angels, how he's greater than Moses and Abraham. It talks about throughout Hebrews. It talks about faith in Hebrews. It talks about all these, uh, these big theological topics. And although there are some words that I had to Google and figure out what the definition was in English as I read through this, we can look at it and we can pull some truths out of it. As I was reading through Hebrews This week, this passage of Scripture stuck out, and there were some certain key phrases in 11 through 15 that I kept reading and going over that I want to highlight and encourage you today. So the title of my sermon is Once and for All, Once and for All, that everything that we talk about is true to your life once and for all because of what Jesus did for you and for me And for humanity, we'll start in verse 11, where the word that I want to pull out is that he's the high priest of the good things to come, in verse 11. Once and for all, your future is bright. In verse 11, we talked about, a couple weeks back, we talked about, because the... um, Women's Bible study, we're talking about it in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, but God. We talked about that phrase. And so I've encouraged you that anytime you read the scriptures and you see that phrase, but God, but Christ, you should immediately get excited because whatever follows after that in the Gospels or in the writings of Paul is something so exciting, is something that's so pertinent to you that no matter what has happened up to that moment, as soon as you met God, as soon as you encountered God, as soon as you said yes to God, but God, whatever happens after that scripture, you are entitled to. As soon as you said yes to Christ, once and for all, these things were added to you. Once and for all, your future is bright. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. 
And that phrase of the good things to come stuck out to me as I was reading. That right now, in life, it seems we don't know what the future holds. Doesn't seem like a bright future. We have questions. We have concerns. We read the news. We read social media. We talk to our friends. And we get three different opinions from all of them. And we have no idea what to believe. But this says that when Christ showed up, he showed up as the high priest with the intent of good things to come. Now we know that he's talking about switching from the old covenant to the new covenant. A covenant that is based on better promises, better principles, better things. And why is it so good? Because thank God he included you and me in there. An old Cajun from Louisiana. He said, I want to bring him into my family. We know in Jeremiah 29, we've heard that scripture, that he has a purpose, a plan, a hope, a future for us, but it's not evil. It's good things. Bad things happen to good people. We know that. We've experienced it. You've experienced You've heard that. But it says here that Jesus is the high priest of good things to come. Psalms chapter 107, verses 1 and verses 9 Psalms 107 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. No ifs, ands, or buts. He is good. And if he is good, then he's going to bring good things into your future. Verse 9 says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. As I get closer to God, as I grow In my relationship with God, I find myself getting hungrier to know him more, to experience him more, that the things that I was struggling with in middle school, in high school, in college, aren't the same things that I'm struggling with anymore, that that me and God are having this relationship that we're moving. He's bringing me from glory to glory. He's bringing me from faith to faith, the scripture says, that he satisfies the longing soul. God, I don't know what's happening in my future. I'm I'm struggling with things that are happening right now in my life. I don't know what the next step is. I'm I'm asking all these questions, God, and we can rest and rely and know that he is the God of good things to come. What's the, the phrase, I don't know what my future holds, but I know who holds my future? That he's the God of good things to come. That no matter what happens on the outside in the world, I'm surrounded by the favor of God. Goodness and mercy are following me. And if they're following me, they're leading me and guiding me into all truth. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, Jesus is speaking. He says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, no, I'm sorry, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who simply ask. To those who simply ask, I'll give you good things. If you read the same story in Luke chapter 11 verse 13, it says instead of give good things, it actually says give the Holy Spirit. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So a good thing, if we mesh those two scriptures together, good thing is the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit's already inside of you. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. 
Christ is the one who's the high priest who has come to bring you good things. So whatever frustrations, whatever angst, whatever things are going on in your life, know that your future is bright. Good things are on the horizon. When I was growing up my whole life, I've talked about this before, that my mom told me that she was praying for my wife. She was praying for my wife. She was praying for her daughter-in-law. And I'm like, okay, like, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. Like, what, what is that? And so my whole life I was told this. Your wife is out there. And these are the qualifications that your wife is. These are what I'm praying for. This is what I'm believing for. And so as I would go through life and find girls that I fancied, in the back of my mind, I always had the list of what mama said that girl was supposed to be. And then I would really find out pretty quickly if I knew that she was my wife or not. I remember probably at a very young age, five, six years old, I, I, I saw this girl in church. She was the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen in my life of five or six years old. I think she's probably actually related to you somehow. Um, and I remember I had this idea of how I was going to get this girl to talk to me. After, after kids' church, they would give us some candy. And I had the idea that I would hold the piece of candy near my pocket like I was putting it in my pocket. I would walk past her, drop the piece of candy. She would see me drop it, pick it up, give it to me, and we would talk and get married or something. I don't know. I didn't know what to do after that. Good thing because she never paid any mind to me. And I just have this memory. I don't know how often I did it. Hopefully I just did it one service. But I remember several times walking past this girl, this blonde-haired girl with her pretty dress on, dropping this piece of candy and her not picking it up and me having to pick it back up and then walk a little bit in front of her and like put it in. I remember the first time I went to camp and interned Tom helped me through this camp love story. I believe her name was Desiree. I was trying to think of her last night. Um, she's well known. Um, I fell in love with her. Fell in love with her. Tom was so gracious to me and helped me and with uh, Josh and some of my friends uh, give me a good job uh, to where I wasn't working outside. I was actually working uh, inside in the air condition, but I was um, at the fryer and I was frying fries for hours on end, uh, but I was in the air condition. Uh, I wasn't out in the, the Texas sun scooping horse poop, so thank you for that. Um, and I laid my eyes on Desiree and she was my wife uh, from the moment and I had to work one night while we were at camp uh, after service, and I was frying fries, and one of my friends told me that Desiree was talking to some other guys, and I could see through the windows of the thing at the volleyball court, her talking to guys the whole time as I'm flipping fries, as I thought, this is my wife, and she's already cheating on me. What, what happened? My heart was broken, and Tom helped me through that. When I got home, she gave me her nameplate, her little piece of paper nameplate. We didn't have social media at the time. I don't think we even had a computer or AOL. 
This is how serious she thought the relationship was. She didn't put her phone number. She didn't put her address. She didn't put anything on it. She just gave me her paper name plaque that she probably got another one printed out and handed it out to all the other dumb, naive. (laughs) But I went through life and, and had these relationships with these girls and got my heart broken by them. But I was always remembering of the good things to come, that, that my wife, that this woman that my, wife, my mom was praying for and that I was praying for was going to show up one day. And boy, did she. Look at her now. <laughs> Lucky her. But I remember praying for her and meeting her and going through that same checklist that I'd gone through time and time before, thinking, is this, is this going to turn out in me getting my heart broken What's the future hold? Is, is this relationship just going to last for a couple weeks or a couple months? Should I stop it now or whatever? But I knew that something good was to come, and we found out that we were supposed to get married. We got married, and now the excitement is, what's our future hold? There's a bright future. If God, if you brought us together, if you brought us together and built our family here, then what's on the horizon of, we celebrate 10 years this year. We survived a decade. What about another decade? What about a decade after that? When we hit the 30, 40, 50 years, I know that there's something good to come because I know that God's put us together. And if he's put us together, then I know it's going to be good. I don't know what the future holds. The earth, things happen in the earth. But I know if God's on my side and my wife is next to me that God gave me, the future is bright. But Christ, who's shown up in your life at whatever time you got saved, is standing next to you. Not only is he standing next to you, he put his Holy Spirit inside of you. And it says up in the, it says in the scriptures that he's up in heaven interceding for you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you. And he is known as the high priest of good things to come. Not of bad things to come. Not of failures. Not of the devil attacking. Not of judgment. Not of anger. He is the high priest of good things to come. Your future is bright. You have to believe it. Whatever happened in your past, it happened. Let it go and get excited that you and God are about to go on a journey that you've never been on before. It's going to be the best however many years you have left on this earth from this point on because but Christ has shown up. Your future is bright once and for all. The second part Hebrews chapter 9, verses 12 through 14, we're talking about the blood. Now, with the blood of goat and calves, we're talking about the old covenant, but with his own blood, Jesus' own blood, he decided to enter the most holy of, of place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption, because he decided once and for all to shed his blood Eternal redemption was obtained. And if we are in Christ, and therefore we receive and obtain that eternal redemption. Verse 13, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies, if the blood, if just the, the mere blood of an animal does this, if it sanctifies or for purifying of the flesh, if it just does that, look at this scripture. This is the phrase that stuck out to me. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through eternal spirit offered himself up without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The second point I want to highlight is once and for all, the blood still works. The blood still works. Maybe it's just me. 
But at times, I think I have thought in my life, because of the, the struggles of this world, I forget how potent his blood is. I forget how good his blood is. I forget how strong his blood is. And somehow in my weird mind and thinking, as time goes on, in genealogies of life, whether it's humans or animals, I think, well, the, the gene pool has been tainted. We've, we've brought this in, we've done this, we've done that, and, and, and what was so pure way up here has, has been tainted through time. And somehow in my weird mind, I attach the blood of Christ to that, but the blood of Christ is just as strong as when it was pulled out of him at the whipping post, at the cross, in the tomb, getting punched, getting his beard pulled out, the crown of thorns upon him. It's just as strong then, and it's just as strong right now. The blood is still the blood. How much more shall the blood of Christ cleanse your conscience? Not just wash over it. You get that streaky film whenever you're trying to clean a window, but cleanse it. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, we have another but God scripture. So as soon as we see this, we get excited because something good is about to pertain and show up in our lives. But God demonstrated his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, look at this, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We shall be saved from wrath. He saved me from past, present, future wrath, eternal wrath, all the wraths he saved us from. Whatever wrath you think you're standing in now, he's already saved you from it, and it's okay because you've got a bright future ahead of you. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We were enemies, foreigners, strangers, the scripture says. We were Gentiles and we were pushed away. We were called dogs by Jesus himself. And then all of a sudden, Acts chapter 10 showed up and the world changed. The mystery was revealed. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The Gentiles are now allowed to walk boldly into his throne room of grace and obtain whatever we need. The blood still works. The blood is still just as potent as when it was in him. He brought that blood up to heaven, and it says he placed it over the mercy seat in heaven. Think about this. In the old covenant, the, the high priest had to go into the holy of holies once a year. He had to kill and sacrifice an animal for his sins and the sins of the children of Israel. He had to prepare himself, wash himself, cleanse himself, he had bells around his tunic with a rope tied around his leg. So if he walked in and he was unclean, he would die. The bells would stop ringing. They'd pull him out. Thank God I wasn't a pastor back then. That's a, that's a rough one. And think about this. If I'm the high priest, I, I'm already uh, an internal thinker. 
and my brain goes and goes and goes, and it takes so long for it to shut down and calm down when I'm thinking about things. If I was the high priest and knew every year I had to cleanse myself and get ready to walk into that Holy of Holies or I was going to die all year, that's all I'd be thinking about. Everything I do, I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, okay, we got to cleanse, we got to get ready, we got to do. That's all I would be thinking about. And then I'd be standing in front of that curtain. Oh, all right, here we go. And I'm pretty sure the other priest behind him, like, you want me to push you in? Don't touch me. Don't just stay right there. I'm going to go in there. Well, it's almost over. I mean, we, we need to hurry and get in there. You don't have to get in there. I have to get in there. Here we go. And you walk in there. And I think if it was me, I'd do that little one-eye thing, like, Oh, we made it. Whew. Then I'd be rejoicing. Here you go, God. We did it. And then as soon as I walked out, I'd be like, oh, God, i got to do this again next year. But it says we have a high priest, and that high priest was not scared of death at all. He walked in there knowing that he was going to die and willfully gave up his body, willfully shed his blood, went in there and threw it all over the Holy of Holies. He was not scared to die, but willing to die so that he would not be the only one walking into that Holies of Holies anymore. He was going to bring all of us. He's the firstborn of many brethren and said, come on, boys. Come on, brothers. Come on, sisters. Let's go into the Holy of Holies together and get whatever we need. His blood is still the blood. It still works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This says, but now. You could have walked into this church not knowing, well, is God real? Does God care? Does God love me? Is he going to cover all my sins? Is his blood strong enough to cover all my sins, even the hidden ones, the ones my family don't know about, my friends, my coworkers, my spouses don't know about? Is his blood strong enough to cover that? Is his blood strong enough to heal me and restore me and save me? Is it still strong enough? And it says, but now at this moment, now faith is that as soon as you walk in and you hear the word of God and it manifests and reveals itself to you and the truth shows up, that right now you could believe his blood is still enough and your miracle signs, wonders, healings, salvations could happen even right now in this moment as you're sitting in this seat. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's how strong his blood is. That a sinner, the worst of sinners, can walk in off the street and can sit in this chair and hear this gospel message and be radically transformed right then. Somebody can be radically healed, set free, their mind restored, drugs and addiction fall off of them instantly because of how powerful the blood is, can be drawn near to Christ now in his blood. I brought this, I wrote this off of Wikipedia, so I'm just going to read it, let your brain have some fun with these words. The Pythagorean theorem. A fundamental relation in geometry among the three sides of a right triangle. And that equation, we've heard it before, you should have learned it before, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. That theorem, the, it, it, it has a history, it says, is the subject of much debate. But it's named for a Greek thinker, Pythagoras, who was born around 570 B.C. Me and my wife were watching some 
reality TV show. The kids were in bed, and uh, it was 10 o'clock at night, and we were vegging out on some reality TV show, and uh, they were playing a game, and the game was... Uh, they had to solve this puzzle, and they, they, they were running like this marathon thing, and uh, they got to this one station where they had to solve the puzzle, and they flipped over the thing, and it says, use the, high, the Pythagorean theory to solve this equation to open up the lock and get the key. And it's like 20 or 30, I mean, I guess they're our age by now, 20, 30-year-olds. And it's amazing how many of these people were trying to figure out what that theory was. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. No matter how old you are or young you are, chances are in school in some capacity you've heard that. And it's a theory that is still being used even in a reality TV show. They're still trying to highlight and bring that up. Potentially, this man was born in 570 BC who made this idea and it's still being talked about, it's still being worked, it's still being used. Wikipedia says the theorem has been proven numerous times by many different methods, possibly the most for any mathematical theorem. The proofs are diverse, including both geometric proofs and algebraic proofs, with some dating back thousands and thousands of years. That Pythagorean theorem was figured out and created before Christ. And even now, in this moment, we're still talking about it, still using it, and the formula still works. I can get a right triangle and do A squared plus B squared equals C squared and get the answer. How much more is the blood of Christ if this theory can stand the test of time and you can use this theory in any continent, you can talk about it in any language, you can use it on any piece of paper, and it still works, how much more does the blood of Christ move in your life? The blood still works. The blood still works no matter what language you talk about it in, what country or continent you're standing on, what race of person you're talking to, the blood still works. How much more then can the blood of Christ wash over you, save you, and restore you? And the last part of this scripture, and I'm finishing with this, is Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant. Yeah, you are. You've You decided to be the high priest of good things to come. You decided once and for all to shed your blood and not do it every year over and over and over again. You said, we're going to do this one time. We're going to knock it out one time in history and let whoever believes on that take care of them for the rest of their life. You are the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. And this is the statement that stuck out to me, the last one of this passage, that those who are called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. That those who are called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, I love this scripture. It says, God is faithful. Another scripture says, even when we are faithless, God is faithful. By whom you were called. Not just me, not just my wife, not my kids. You were called into the fellowship of of his son Jesus Christ our Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 9 through 10. Paul is writing to his son in the faith and his second book of Timothy he says who has saved us talking about Jesus who has saved us and called us 
with a holy calling, not according to our works, thank God, but according to his purpose and his grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. The lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world, another scripture says, verse 10, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. Abolished death. Wasn't scared of death because he knew that he was going to abolish it. He knew that he was going to go and overcome death. And he didn't come bringing death. He came and brought us life and immortality to light through the gospel. The simple gospel message is, once again, what changes people. Christ died for your sins, according to the scriptures, was buried in a tomb and rose again the third day. The power of that gospel brings the abolishment of death, brings life and immortality to you and your spirit. The last thing, once and for all, respond to his calling. Respond to his calling. See, once we get into church, we hear about what's my calling? What am I supposed to do? Am I called to full-time ministry? Am I called to do this? God, what do you want me to do? What's this? What's that? Am, Am I supposed to do this? What about now? But it says here in the scripture, for those who are called, instead of worrying about our calling, let's respond to his calling what he's calling us to do. And when we respond to what he's calling and what he's saying and what he's speaking to us, it says that we receive the promise of eternal inheritance. We receive it. He just, as soon as we respond to his calling, whatever you say, God, you're calling to me right now. You're moving upon my heart. You're speaking to me through a pastor, through this, through that, whatever it is in my prayer time. I hear your voice and I respond to that calling. I immediately receive something from him. And one of the things that I can receive is my calling. We've got to get, quit worrying about my calling and start worrying about his calling because when we worry about his calling and answering his calling, he's going to reveal my calling. He's going to tell me where to go. He's going to tell me what to do. He's going to tell me what my role, my job, my purpose in his kingdom is. I wish for once, whenever I answer that random number from Louisiana, That it was something good. That it wasn't the car warranty guy. On my work phone, I always get this this these people calling and I never know who it is, so I always have to answer it. And there's always these people that call from Marriott Hotel and they want to tell me about the rewards that I've won. And part of me wants to press that one for English and zero for operator. And get on the phone with somebody and hear them say, you know what? You did win. You got the hotel. Any hotel in America, you can go stay at a Marriott for free. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Just go have a great time with your family. You know what? We're calling about your car warranty because it's already been taken care of and paid for. We just want you to know that for the next 30 years you have your car, it's taken care of. Anytime it breaks down, flat tire, broken window, your kid throws up on the seat, we're going to take care of it because that's what the car warranty is. We're so glad that you finally answered the call. But that's not how it works. It's an automated message that says, this is your last warning. If you don't answer, 
You will not get a car warranty ever again for any car for anything. Okay, well, go ahead and block that number. You'll call me from Baton Rouge in an hour. The same message. That once, when I answered a call, not only was it good news, but it was, it was true. It was actually happening. Because if we answer those calls, it does sound like good news. We want to extend your car warranty. All right, that sounds like fun. We want to give you a hotel. Or they say, hey, we found out that your Social Security was stolen. And the IRS is holding your 17th stimulus check. So just enter in your social on the phone and we'll send it right to you. That's great news. You block somebody from getting my social? Thank you so much. And you're going to give me money. Wow. Sounds like good news. But at the end of it, disappointed again. And I think a reason that a lot of people don't answer God's calling is because they're scared they're going to get disappointed again. I prayed that one time and you didn't answer. I asked you to do this and look where I'm at. I asked you to help in this relationship or this situation and I don't feel like you showed up. I'm not going to answer your call again. I'm not going to ask you to do anything again because you didn't help me last time and I'm still struggling. I'm still failing. I'm still having this issue. Why would I answer your call again? Why would I go to your church? Why would I do this? Why would I talk to that person? I'm just going to ask you answer his call one more time. Because it says as soon as you answer his call, you receive something. You receive something. To reach out and pray and believe and listen to what he has for you. And as soon as you answer his call, he starts directing you on your call. And all of a sudden, your life gets a lot easier as you go down your journey in life. Because his call, like we said in the first point, is of good things to come. He's going to tell you of good things to come. And if you struggle along that way and you fall and you, and you try and get back up, his blood is still the blood. It still washes over your sins. It still heals you. It still restores you. It still saves you. It's still strong enough to help you on your journey through life. It's flowing to you and through you and with you. So how could I not answer his call? How could I not say whatever you have for me? What do you have to say for me in your word, in my prayer closet, in my shower closet when I'm praying and talking with him? What do you have for me? I'm listening. I'm listening. I'll obey. I'll do anything because I know that as soon as I answer your call, I receive my call, and it can only be good things. You can come up and play, and we'll finish. Do we have a mic? Your mic? Where's your mic? Could you get it? Thank you. Can you also do this and that? And Y'all can stand up today as we get ready to go. Be encouraged that God is on your side. Be encouraged that God is good. In Acts chapter 10, we talked about it, that as Peter was speaking to the Gentiles, he says that Jesus went about doing good. He was full of power, full of the Holy Spirit, went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. In Psalms, we see that God is good. The simple truth that seems to have sometime, somehow fallen out of the church. God is good. He wants to do good things for you. If God did good things, and Jesus did good things, and Jesus is what the Father is, 
And the same spirit that was inside of Jesus is now inside of us. Jesus did good things, which means the Holy Spirit does good things. The Holy Spirit's inside of me. Therefore, he wants to do good things with me and through me and to me. I love how the Bible just comes together. You can take these scriptures and read them and just see how it, they go hand in hand. But God, but Christ has shown up in your life. And now more than ever, you're needed not just to do some job in the church, just to do some job in the kingdom, but now more than ever are you needed because God needs you to have a simple relationship, to talk with him, to walk with him, for him to pour his love out on you. In Romans it says, if he didn't, he didn't withhold his son from you, how much more will he give? If he gave you Jesus, he'll give you anything, it says, because he loves you too much. He cares about you too much, and he wants to see your future from this point on, right now, right now, be the best future you've ever had. Be the best next week, the best month, the best year, the best decade, however long you're here, from this moment on. Whatever happened back then, ah, release it and let it go. It's time to have the best life you've ever had, the best marriage you've ever had, the best encounter with your kids that you've ever had, the best job you've ever had, the best life, the, be able to, the best sleep you've ever had from this moment on because the truth has been revealed to you in these scriptures and you will know that truth and that truth is going to set you free, family. <laughs> Thank you all for coming. We're so glad that you are here. Be blessed, be safe, be protected, and go out and be the light of Jesus. We'll see y'all next week. Take care, family. Bye. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.